Welcome to all of you. Merry Christmas. During the Christmas season, we uh, people travel all over, and so they travel far and wide, maybe back from school to home, or they fly into Toronto from cities afar, and they come with their families in church, and maybe for some of you it's not a regular occurrence, and I want to say to you, welcome home. And I don't necessarily mean this church, although I hope you feel at home here, but I mean welcome home in God, because our hearts are found most dearly, truly at home in God. This is something our hearts long for most deeply. So again, I say to you, welcome home. And to those of you who come here every week, welcome home to you as well. Before I read scripture, let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful, glorious day you've given to us, Christmas, the great celebration of what you have done for us. Father, we pray that as we reflect on Scripture this morning, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, that you would birth in us the beautiful melody of salvation and give us that great song of joy. May we sing it loud for all to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. I would like to read with you two passages of Scripture. They're going to be on the screen. If you want to read out of the Bible, please grab one of those. First is Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his truth. And then a passage from the New Testament, the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. 
When the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is God's word. Well, Christmas is a season filled with music and song. It is a season of singing, isn't it? Today we've already sung a lot of songs. We're going to continue to sing. I hope you have sung many songs before. Can you imagine Christmas without any of the music, without any of the singing? Um, no Messiah, no music, no Christmas carols. The songs of Christmas are woven into just the center of our celebration. And it's remarkable is that we continue to write songs for Christmas. It's remarkable that most recording artists still continue somewhere in their career to put out some Christmas song, some Christmas album. The first recorded Christmas song ever in terms of history was that old favorite, I know you all know, Vene Redemptor Gentium by St. Ambrose in the fourth century. Kristen, maybe we can sing that afterwards? <laughs> and ever since then, we have been writing Christmas carol after Christmas carol. And of course, one of the reasons for this, that the Christmas season is so full of song and music, is that the Christmas story, it is filled with singing. I mean, from before Jesus is born, at his birth, after his birth, everyone is breaking out into a song about this good news. Mary, as she hears this announcement, sings out, my soul glorifies the Lord. Zechariah, whose son John the Baptist, is going to be a forerunner for Jesus. When he hears this news, he lets rip praise be to the Lord because he has come to his people and redeemed them. We read this morning this angelic chorus that belts out glory to God in the highest. The shepherds, after they see Jesus, they return to their fields doing a little dance, praising God, singing. And then when Jesus is presented eight days later at the temple, there's a man named Simeon who takes Jesus in his arms and can't help himself but breaks out into song, praising God. The Magi, a little bit later, bringing their gifts, bow down, worship Jesus. There is singing, there is worship all over. So when you think of it, the Christmas story is really a musical, isn't it? There's songs everywhere. Now, as a preacher, I, I believe that words, when they are put together carefully, lovingly, can really do a world of good. But also, I know the limits of my craft, too. So, for example, music, I recognize, can carry a message far beyond the limits of a spoken or a written word. That's why God created song. That's why we sing. In a sermon, you know, I, I will try to carefully speak the word of God as 
well as I can, and you might nod in your heads and say, yep, that's right. But when we sing those same words, something else happens. When we sing, that's when tears begin to flow. That's when hope or courage stiffens our spine and, and moves us into action. Because music can carry the truth deeper into our hearts. It's a fascinating thing about music. That's what is so interesting also, is how even people who don't know or don't believe the Christian faith can't help but sing Christmas carols. I read an essay in the New Yorker magazine about this scholar, this atheist scholar, Daniel Dennett. And Daniel Dennett is, is a very vocal opponent of religious belief. He and his wife are very disdainful of Christian convictions, and yet each year they do something which is pretty peculiar for avowed atheists. Every year, they gather a whole group of friends into their home for a very swishy black tie dinner that they host, and what they do after dinner is they sing the canon of Christmas carols, of Christian Christmas carols. And they spend that night singing those Christmas songs and they profess to love those songs, even be inspired by those songs that proclaim the birth of Jesus Christ. Well, it's, it's odd. It doesn't surprise me because in some hidden, in some unknown way, they are obeying instinctively the command of God to sing, to honor the newborn king. Which makes Psalm 96, which we read, a perfectly lovely text for us to reflect on this Christmas day. You may have wondered, you know, Psalm, what are you, what are you reading a Psalm for on Christmas Day, Phil? Where's the Christmas story? Well, this Psalm, interestingly, has been chosen by the church as the Psalm to be read on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. It is a Psalm that has found its way into so many of our Christmas carols. And so Psalm 96 is helpful for us on Christmas Day because one of the things it does is it helps us interpret the events of that first Christmas. You know, Christmas story as a basic news story is it's fairly plain. You know, it's a story of a couple who travels to Bethlehem, a rather impoverished couple, make the trip to Bethlehem, and their travel plans get interrupted by the birth of a baby boy. So how's that news, right? Happens everywhere, all the time. Psalm 96, however, gives us a lens through which we can understand and, and make some of the meaning of that event. Psalm 96 helps us understand that this baby is a king. The king has been born. The savior of the world is the one we welcome. So Psalm 96 both interprets Christmas for us, but also guides us into the only appropriate response, leading us to joy and worship. It is this exuberant song of praise to the king and creator and calling the whole world to join in that chorus of joy. In, in the book of Psalms, Psalm 96 is, is part of a group of songs called enthronement psalms. So they are psalms that were used uh, at the occasion of a coronation of a king or to celebrate the reign of a king. The book of Psalms has distinct books in it, and the previous book, just before Psalm 96, is a section of Psalms that focus on when Israel was exiled, when they had lost their land, their temple, they had lost their king, and everything looked pretty grim. 
But now in section four of the Psalms, there's a very different note that's sounded. This section four, of which this Psalm 96 is a part, sort of speaks to God's people and says, contrary to to what you're experiencing, contrary to those circumstances, even though things look very dark, Israel still has a king who is reigning. And over and over again, it cries out, the Lord reigns. Israel, mourning in lowly exile, desperately needed the reminder, the Lord reigns. And it reminds us today That though this world can look especially dark, even though there is rising gun violence in our city, even though there's growing nationalism and political polarization across the world, despite racial and economic inequity, despite anxiety and depression rates soaring, despite violence and wars and conflict, there is a king who has come. And so we can sing and rejoice because the Lord reigns. So Psalm 96 calls us to rejoice in the Christmas hope that God has come among us. The Son of God has moved into our neighborhood. Christmas is the good news, the good celebration that our world, with problems that seem so unfixable at times, with traumas and tragedies that break our hearts, this broken world has not been abandoned by God. God has come among us to heal to save, to rescue. And so Psalm 96 calls God's people to sing. Opening verses, three different times. Sing to the Lord, sing, sing. Three times, it's a command, so it's not optional. We're commanded, sing to God. And then later, three times, ascribe to the Lord. It is saying this is the only right, the only appropriate response. This is not indulgent in a world filled with brokenness. This is not superfluous to rejoice. It's the most appropriate thing you can do. Because the good news is God, our Savior, has come. And Psalm 96, of course, not only calls us to worship, but then gives us a whole bunch of reasons too. Verse 4 says, for great is the Lord, splendor, majesty, strength, Glory are His. At Christmas, we, we celebrate th- that the great God, the powerful God, has come to this world as a human, in the frail, vulnerable body, in a breakable, killable body, born in the last place you'd expect Him to be born, in some backwater town, in an ordinary, humble place, born to impoverished parents, in a nowhere town, majesty in the mundane, glory witnessed in utter ordinariness. So sing, rejoice, because our great God is saying there is no place he will not bless. There are no people God will not come near to love. Christmas is telling us the good news that whoever is outcast, finding themselves in some nowhere place, God will come to them. That God's greatness is known wherever we are, whatever mess we find ourselves in. And this celebration, of course, is not limited to a select few. You'd think, yeah, it's just a Christian deal, right? No, no, no. The doors of this party are thrown open to the whole world. Verse 7 calls all the nations, all the peoples of the earth, We are called to sing and rejoice because the true king, 
not just of one people, of one nation. The true king of the universe has come in Jesus Christ. Which is why the angels at Christmas would sing, I bring you good news of great joy that is for all the people. Not just for you Israelites, for all the people. Christmas is that sort of universal good news of great joy. So that means that includes all of you, whether you are faithful or not so faithful. All of you who believe and all of you who struggle to believe. This is good news of great joy for all people. And not just all people. Here's the even bigger picture that Psalm 96 portrays for us of what this Christmas means. It is for all creation. Psalm 96 calls all creation, the whole earth, the trees of the field, the forest, all creation to rejoice. It says, let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound, let the fields be jubilant, let the trees of the forest sing for joy. The birth of Jesus, the Son of God, is for all creation which makes the salvation offered in Jesus so unique. Christianity does not offer us, I don't know, this vague salvation or a generic spirituality or only a restored relationship with God, important as that is, but it's far bigger and wider. It certainly includes forgiveness of sins, so our relationship with God is restored. We're brought home to God. But Christmas tells the story of salvation for all things, for all creation. Jesus comes as king to bring a salvation that includes the righting of everything that is wrong, including down to the nature of things. And so all creation joins in this chorus because Jesus, this baby we celebrate, Psalms tells us, comes to judge the earth. Jesus is celebrated by creation as a judge. Now, for some of us, we might sort of step back from that because judges means judgment and we shy away from that right we don't like that who wants to sing joyfully about a judgment but it is good news the judgment of Jesus is to set everything that is wrong to set it right again anything that is broken or bent or bruised all that is crooked and corrupted is going to be made whole again Think of, think of the meaning of that. Again, with all of the earth in mind, our environment, with climate change threatening the well-being of this world as creation convulses against so much pollution going on, Jesus was born for the healing of this physical world, healing of weather patterns, of, of degraded rivers and ecosystems and climatological conditions. Jesus has come to set right cancer cells that have gone crazy, multiplying out of control. He has come to restore and set right diseases that vandalize our living. Jesus comes to judge the warlords who bomb and shred the fabric of the human community. Jesus comes to set right all the abuses against the vulnerable, against women. He comes to end exploitation of children, the marginalization of minorities, and all creation is called to join in the song of that goodness because that salvation is that big. This humble, vulnerable baby brings a salvation that immense, universe-wide. This is the hope. This is the joy we celebrate at Christmas, right? 
Not a sentimental white Christmas with sleigh bells and chestnuts and mistletoe. You know, all those Christmas songs, I know they're fun, they're sentimental, whatever. But they, they, the celebration that they mark is something that is bound by certain circumstances of a good Christmas. It's a joy that's dependent on the right things being in place. But Psalm 96 and all the gospel Christmas carols that we sing celebrate a king who has come to bring salvation. Have you, have you ever just, just read the Christmas carols that we often sing? I encourage you to do that, just to read them, to, to catch some of the, what I think is the radical, revolutionary joy and hope that they sing. Let me just give you a few examples. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Joyful, all you nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. Christ, by highest heaven adored. Christ, the everlasting Lord. Not just sentimental baby Jesus in his golden fleece diapers. No, but King and Lord. Joy to the world. Think of this one. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace. So wherever that brokenness is found, wherever the curse goes, that salvation of Jesus, the blessings of God flow even further than that. Hark the herald angels sing. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life he brings risen with healing in his wings mild he lays his glory by born that we no more may die this vulnerable child comes with life and healing to end death and then think of that beautiful hymn O holy night a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices our weary world needs a thrill of hope doesn't it and then it says, chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we. Let all now within praise his holy name. Those Christmas carols, you know what they are? They are protest songs. That's what they are. They are protest songs against all that is wrong in the world, looking for joy and hope in Jesus Christ. And they ring out the history-altering good news that the rightful ruler, King Jesus, has come. And he has come to heal and to bless by disrupting the unjust social world to make things right, to put an end to oppression. That's the radical stuff we sing at Christmas. And one scholar of music I read this past week writes this. He says, every time we sing praise to our God, we are asserting our opposition to anything that would attempt to stand in God's place. And so every hymn of praise, every carol is a little anti-idolatry campaign. So when we sing, a thrill of hope, the, world, the weary world rejoices, we are also saying, down with hopelessness and anxiety and despair of our age. And when we sing joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. We are saying, and we will not bow down to all those rulers who would claim our allegiance either. 
And when we sing, in the name, in his name, all oppression shall cease, we are saying, and I stand with King Jesus against all oppression and injustice in this world. These Christmas carols we sing, these songs of joy, are countercultural protest songs against all that is wrong in the world. So can I urge you today, just read through the lyrics of these songs. Let the truth, the gospel truth, the good news of the gospel in them, just grip your hearts in a fresh way. And then, let me urge you to sing them loud for all to hear, okay? Sing them loud. You know, despite all that remains wrong in the world, it is not wrong to sing loudly, joyfully these Christmas carols, to enjoy a dinner with family, to give gifts, all these good celebrations of Christmas. You might think, you know, despite all the darkness and bleakness of our world, you think, how can we do that? You know, that seems frivolous. No, it's not a distraction from the harshness. It's not a momentary forgetting of the world's trouble. All those things... And those songs we sing are little acts of resistance that remind us and release the only bright hope this troubled world has in Jesus. They remind us that while all the darkness still swirls around us, we can sing for joy at Christmas because God has come and he has made himself vulnerable to all the pains, all the embarrassments of this weary world God has revealed himself in the face of Jesus Christ. And because now we know that God's whole being is bent towards us and this world in affection, in goodwill, as the angel proclaimed, right? God's whole being is turned towards us in love, ready to do whatever it takes to make us and this whole world whole again. We sing. Because we know that the light of Christ shines in the darkness, even in the darkness of our own hearts. It is a light that no darkness, no apocalypse, no warfare, no falling disaster can prevent from shining. And I pray that that song of Christmas would fill your hearts this Christmas, that it would draw you to the foot of the manger, near to the God who came in humility to bring us to himself, to bring us home to himself, to heal, to save this world. So Merry Christmas, friends. Sing with joy, because we are so, so loved. Let's pray. Father, we sing with great joy today because of this remarkable news of what you have done in Jesus Christ. God, I pray that the truth of this would grip our hearts in such a profound new way. God, would you speak to our hearts through your Holy Spirit and make this truth come alive. We've heard the story again and again and again for many of us. We've sung the story, but I pray that it would, it, the penny would drop in a fresh new way for all of us. Help us to believe and so to rejoice. May our hearts be open to the magnitude of this gift of Jesus. Fill our hearts with the joy of Christmas, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.